someone makes some made up bullshit for their pronouns just to be an asshole, like, um, I mean, people are doing it to obviously just be an asshole. Like people who are like, my pronouns are attack helicopter. Like, yes, I will use attack helicopter. Or if you say you identify as a, a cactus, I'm gonna be like, okay, but like, I'm gonna bury you in soil and like water, give you water only like once every like four months. I hope you fucking live. <laughs> Today, we're joined by Marla Alpert. Marla, I'm so glad to have you here with us today. Hi, I'm Marla. I'm, you can call me uh, your calliope, your muse. <laughs> Musings with Marla. I love it. Hey everyone, it's Caroline. Before we get started, I want to take this opportunity to say that if you like content like this, be sure to tap that subscribe button and the notification tab to get updated on our newest episodes. It's really important that if you like queer inclusive content that you subscribe, share, like with all of your friends because the only way that we're going to shift the trans narrative into a positive direction and be able to get to a point where we can get to an equitable society is if we get messages out to the community like this with others. So please tap the subscribe button, share with your friends, send the link out, and most importantly, enjoy the show. Thank you. Coming to you live from across America, the most dangerous people in the United States. It's the Trans Narrative Podcast. That's right. So, hi, Lucy. How are you today? You know, I'm fantasy come reality. Just got a little tired crawling my way from hell. It was great. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Athena, hi. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Just descended from Olympus itself. True. Yes, I watched it. Do we have a tell, uh, do we have a pun? Do, do we have a pun to introduce you, Ocean? Uh, no specific pun. Just feeling divine as always. Okay. Well, okay, okay, you're not going to okay, make good. a joke about robbing a bank with no. George Clooney. Well, hi everyone. Welcome to the Trans Narrative Podcast. I'm Caroline, and today we're sitting with Marla Alpert and our guest co-host Ocean Kane. And returning with us today is our co-hosts, are Lucy Balzano and Athena Primarcus. Good to be here. So glad to have all of you here. Lucy, how are I'm you? here as well. Sorry, I had some visitors at my doors. The Mormons. So, Ocean Kane, it's so good to have you here with us. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm a, uh, so I'm a 25-year-old trans girl. Um, I've been on HRT for about two years. Uh, I do a lot of internet content um, related to, like, debating, uh, especially on the TikTok platform. Um, I will, so I, what a lot of what I do is less philosophy and less, like, coming from a place of morality and more coming from a place of, like, taking information, um, like, laws and and um publications that come out about like our bodies or like what people claim about us and i spend a lot of time uh essentially challenging that where where it needs to be like debunked or or um or like given validity uh so i i try to base myself a lot on like actual peer-reviewed articles um like and using sources like pubmed and mayo clinic that's incredible i love that i met you uh, last week, actually, scrolling through TikTok, I found you on a live, and the way that you just assassinate these, uh, or oh, that's not the right word, these trans folks, <laughs> is, uh, is that word? Yeah, that. Uh, the way you divorce them from this mortal coil. The way you dismantle transphobia is, is just, it's, it, it, it's like, 
it's like a job. And it, it's so amazing how you just combat that. And I applaud you for spending your time throughout the week engaging with such transphobia. I know that it can be so taxing and tiring, but thank you for- um, Very exhausting, for, um, mm -hmm. especially when it's like, like our own community because like not only do I spend a lot of time challenging people outside of the community but a lot of people like transmedicalism as a philosophy it's like super harmful to our community as a whole so I spend a lot of time challenging that as well I think we should put a, a explanation on what the transmed is and the event that we have listeners who don't know the terribleness of transmed folks yeah, so trans, so transmedicalism, uh, or if somebody is a transmedicalist, the colloquial term for that is true scum, um, is people who believe that being trans is inherently and solely a medical condition. Uh, somebody who believes that our brains and our identities, like, are purely, like, purely align in one way, male, or in another way, female, uh, and that if you are a trans person that does not have gender dysphoria. That you are there, you are therefore a too cute, which is the term that they use for anybody who uses like trans identities as more of like a, a like some kind of new trend, essentially. Um, and then they spend a lot of time using medical science, medical science? as a way to a way challenge non-binary identities. I believe that's also where the idea of like trans trender came from as if like you know somebody's gonna assume this is some sort of trend or that losing you know family members uh, work relations is something that could be seen as trendy yeah absolutely that's so too cute is another too cute is one colloquial term another term is trans is trans trender it's essentially the same thing they come from a place where they pretend they act like um what it is to be trans um or a trans trender specifically like is like actually harmful to their bodies and so they create this narrative for themselves that they're saving people from going through procedures that they will end up developing um reverse dysphorias from which is essentially where you change your body and it's not right for you and so you develop dysphoria because now your body doesn't align with your actual gender identity so they 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 proclaim they profess themselves to be some some saviors of the two cutes. Marla, hi Marla. Hi. How hi. are you? Okay, you? I'm 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 all right. I'm hanging in there. It's so good to finally meet you. Same. It's it's like I know you probably get this, but it's so neat to meet uh, such a such a uh, influential figure on on TikTok who has such a dominance on the on the on the platform and I just I think that you do amazing work so let me just get that fangirl stuff out of the way first so thank oh you I don't know how I got there at all <laughs> it's um our lives have been thrown into the spotlight and and our activism just is uh it's just spotlight and so I just applaud everything that you do so oh, it's so good to finally meet you so okay let's just um how are, how are you I am Okay. Um, as okay as one can be in the current state of trans affairs in the United States. It's not um it's not a safe world out there for us. And no. I'm very grateful that we are 
uh, privileged enough to be able to be in these spaces together and share our voices and amplify them out through the social media platforms. Thankfully, we still have that. And who knows if that's um, under going to be under attack. I'm, I'm certainly certain that it will. Um, mm -hmm. So we need to set uh, safeguards in place to ensure that our access to information is, is, is protected for sure. 100%. So, okay. I would like to know a little bit about you, Marla. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? So as a whole, um, or as a uh, continued line of work, I've always been an actor. Um, that's how I started on TikTok, talking about, well, I started on TikTok with videos of me off screen singing to my dog. Um, and then moved on to talking mostly about trans representation in media, especially theater. And then, I don't know, the, the, the transphobes came along and I found myself swatting them off like flies, you know, um, with their very easily debunked um, rhetoric. And I just, I don't know, it just kind of picked up from there um, and it's grown and grown and grown. It seems like I can't even go back to talking about media and theater anymore. Those videos tank so very quickly. Um, but outside of TikTok, I am still a trying to work actor, which is very difficult as a trans woman, especially in musical theater. Um, I do standardized patient work uh, to help doctors better understand our community and better treat our community, as well as other communities and other groups of people. And yeah, that's pretty much my life. Yes, I like your vibes. They're very, very chill and very just, I love it. I love it. I, especially in today's climate, it's very hard to keep a, keep just a chill, you know, vibe with, with our like, lives being under threat like at every moment i'm speaking calmly but there's fury and anxiety just bubbling underneath i call that uh a, a, a duck situation have you ever seen when a duck swims it looks like it's like bobbing on the top all gently calmly mm -hmm. and underneath it's paddling furiously away <laughs> like motherfuckers goddamn motherfuckers well what initially that's a good way to describe it um and into into uh like media into media into like theater in general yeah your the theater interest um whew. i mean i didn't start theater until high school um i had gone into marching band so i was already in like the art side of high school and i had not even auditioned for the musical that year but somebody dropped out last second. It was Bye Bye Birdie. And I ended up playing Harvey Johnson, which if anyone knows Harvey Johnson's wonderful solo in Bye Bye Birdie, it requires cracking on cue because uh, he's like the nerdy, um, the nerdy boy, uh, awkward boy. And then I did theater all through high school. And I graduated high school as valedictorian and with straight A's and 
I had wanted to go into some kind of art at that time, whether that be performing or visual art or anything. I used to draw. I don't really draw anymore. And everyone said, oh, you're going to waste your brain on that. So I went to Tufts University just outside of Boston for um, pre-veterinary medicine. And after the first year, I realized I was unhappy. Um, I was unhappy with the school. I was unhappy that I was picking a profession that wasn't following my dreams and more just um, settling. And I dropped out. Also, I was afraid of blood. Um, and I dropped out and went for two years, worked in theme park work at a Six Flags, learned a bunch of circus skills, met a bunch of friends who are still friends today. And then I went back to school for um, my bachelor's in theater, uh, my bachelor's in fine arts and musical theater. And since then I have done two national tours, um, a dozen or so regional theaters, off-Broadway concerts here in New York. Yeah, that's about it. That's about it. Oh my God, it's not about it. <laughs> the Jane Let's... of all trades. You're like, I did this, there's some medical involved, some circus involved. You know, the second that, I would never say that I was ever like a bolsterous or loud person or even a confident person. Um, I'm much more so after transitioning. But your sense of worth really to begin with in musical theater gets beaten out of you and on top of it to do the kind of work I'm doing and to have been right where I was in my profession like right before the pandemic everything was going right I was going to play my first lead in a union production as the title role and I had um, gigs set up to sing at with this concert series and also here in New York. And then the pandemic hit. And that's when I transitioned finally, because I realized that my profession was holding me back from doing what I wanted to do and be who I wanted to be who I want to be. But after doing all that, and then finding yourself at 35, retraining your entire vocal instrument, your entire instrument that you worked your entire life on, and having to go through the embarrassment of making weak sounds or poor sounds or cracking um, trying to create something new, really, really, what's the best way to put this? Takes the piss out of you. Yeah. I was 35 when I started HRT as well. Mm -hmm. And it was, yeah, I started at 33, but yeah, I'm 35 now. You get people who'll be like, oh, why are you talking like that? Like, are you, are, are you, is that like your gay voice? Like, no, that's my, I'm going to stab you voice. Thank you for asking. Mm -hmm. I love vocal training. I think it's the like the neatest thing. I remember one of the first conversations that Lucy and I had actually last year in the show was mm-hmm. about vocal uh, a vocal training, and I I learned a lot about like lifting your Adam's apple, and then about resonating and like how you know uh, people that are cisgender have their vocals and how they kind of like it's it's in that like men speak from the chest or cis men like it's it's heavy in the testosterone like uh, and then it's up here with the lifting but then like it's important to like not go too high because then like you'll get that like sound like this and we don't want that sound like a and, yeah 
Well, the issue is that there's gender norms that are like still ongoing to this day where you have to think like, oh, men speak from here and women speak from a higher register. And it's like, well, my, my sister is a cis woman who has a condition that there's extra testosterone in her body. She has shoulders as wide as mine. She has a beard. She's just cisgendered and she's actually been misgendered going to the restroom and, and accosted as well, where people will be like, hey, this, this is a woman's restroom. And these the voice training, sure, it does play a little bit into that, but sometimes your safety is kind of paramount. And having a passable voice, even though passable itself is somewhat problematic because like a woman is a woman. If you decide you're a woman, you're a woman. But sometimes that danger is removed by using uh, voice training. Yeah. I think that's really the biggest thing for is 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 wanting to pass is more for safety. I mean, I'm sure yeah. dysphoria plays a lot of in, in in with the role of that, but passing is 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 really a safety tool for many. Yeah, and then people. I mean, in theater, it's like it's essentially like another thing because audiences do not want to hear me sing as a baritone. It's it's off putting to them. So, you know, in order to not just for safety, not just for dysphoria, but for Career-wise, I have to create something that an audience is, at no. this point in time, is more willing to accept. Um, so I have, and it's been very um, difficult for me to train myself out of my, I was trained very um, classically, which is like low larynx, raised palate. Um, and I've had to, <laughs> unlearn all that because to create that more in quotes feminine sound you need that higher larynx uh, I am fortunate in that I have always had a very wide falsetto range up into the soprano areas now it's a matter of making it consistent making it um, varied in color making it strong on the bottom and making it connected to my chest voice. How has uh, your voice training like, and like your tra transition overall affected your ability to like get roles and like succeed in like that theater area? It's gone downhill. I mean, it's nice that I, you know, if there's something looking for me, I'll be in for it. You know what I mean? But on the other hand, it's, I don't get taken seriously for cisgender roles. Um, I do need to just start making my own videos when they won't see me and just sending them in just to try to prove something. Like it's one of those things where you have to, I have a good agent, but you also have to really be like, listen, listen, this is a good idea. Listen, here's why, listen. Like um, you really have to advocate for yourself. Since transitioning, you know, since, um, the end of the, and in quotes again, pandemic, you know, when theater started opening again, I've only, I did one straight play a couple months ago. I had been cast in a musical, but the upsurge of, um, I don't even remember what we were on at that point, Omicron or something, one of them, uh, knocked that one out. And then I've also done drunk musicals here in the city and a concert at 54 Below um, with a bunch of people. But 
I do not get seen for as much as I used to. It's not worth me going into open calls. It's, you know, it's a waste of time. They're looking to be as quick and economic as possible and just shove people into a box. They're looking for a type, whoever does that type the best into the box, do the show, make the money. And now, now the word about is that Wicked is set on casting a transgender um, alphabet, which I think is a great role for a trans woman to play. Um, I think especially trans woman of color would be a fantastic choice. But at the same time, I'm like, so what are you willing to do here? Are you willing to lower keys or not? Because if you're not willing to lower keys and work with what a trans actor needs to be successful, you're not going to cast them because they're never going to be successful. And then especially in that case, you have to ask, I, I always have to ask them like, so you're doing this, what, to what end? You know what I mean? It's wonderful that you're taking this step. I'd rather, you know, there be new trans roles out there. But um, at the same time, how is this gonna work out for that transgender actor, especially in a show like that, that is so, been open for so long, has so many people who are just like obsessed with it, know every key, every word, every line, expect a very particular performance. When a trans woman comes in there and stuff is lowered and a little different, how's that audience gonna react? What do you think the solution is to, uh, to, to the issue of trans girls like getting into roles? What do you think like the best angle would be? I think the best thing is to normalize changing keys. That's something we have to do first. Um, and just write more transgender roles in general. Like it's great if there's, let's say there's a new production of something and they decide to cast a trans actor. And then from now on, for the rest of the, let's say Broadway, where you're replacing actors, that's where this really becomes an issue. Because when it's a singular uh, production that always has the same cast, you can decide this will be a trans woman. Let's think about the keys. Let's think about what we have to do. But when it comes to something like Broadway, where things are set, and then it's like, now we're going to put a trans person in there. And now we have to change everything that's already been going on for maybe years, you know, and the musicians now have to get paid to learn all this stuff in new keys. That's much harder. And I don't know how well it will work out. It worked out for um, Alexandra Billings in Wicked, but that's really the, oh, uh, then Angelica Ross also in Chicago worked out for. I haven't checked to see if they lowered keys for either of them, but I have to imagine they did. You said earlier that you had like a really good agent. How's your agent like provided you support while you're looking for these roles and trying to get casted? So my agent has been very um, good about getting me in the door. That's the first thing. I mean, that's the, the number one thing is to get me seen. He has been very supportive when I've called him to be like, listen, this is not going to happen. This is absurd for like they're seeing me so that they saw a token trans person there's like no possible way 
they would ever consider casting a trans woman in this role. Like, he's been very good about being like, I get that. Um, and sometimes I've decided not to take those auditions um, just because it would just, my performance and what I would give them would be bad. And that would give them a certain idea of me that I don't want them to have of me when something more appropriate comes along. Um, because there's been so many times they've asked me to sing for these traditionally cisgender roles and I'll be like, can I change the key? And they'll be like, just sing it an octave down. Oh, in like the manliest range, that's not happening. Um, manliest in quotes again. Um, sometimes I'll just do it myself. I'll just be like, I'm just changing the key. I don't care what they say, but that has never worked out to my advantage. He's also been very good in understanding the plight of trans actors and marginalized actors in general. There was this whole big blow up um, a few months ago about an Asian non-binary actor named Sarah Porkalob who had done this interview. They were in 1776 and they had done this interview that was very, very candid, like more candid than any interview has ever been on Broadway and very much um, pointing out the plight of marginalized actors in a performance space, in a rehearsal space. And a lot of people, especially a lot of white cisgender uh, actors got very, very mad. Sort of that like, well, if, if, if they won't do their job, then, then I deserve it. Like, you know, that sort of thing, which was so absurd. And my agent was right there with me the whole time being like, this is like absurd. Like this is, he's the first one, even though he is white, cisgender gay man first person every time to be like you to everyone else who are who's not quite as marginalized to be like you need to cut your bullshit you brought it so bringing that up um so like well i i really hate the term ally personally yeah. there's just no real better term for it do you have any other allies that really kind of like helped you like manage yourself as you're like because like obviously like theater cares <laughs> through you, even, even if you're cis but like I, but yeah do you have like allies that actually like are supporting you through this in the theater realm uh um, yes so you know i have a coach who i honestly have not talked to in a couple months but you know he's very supportive but then um, I don't know. There's just, it's been a lot of things that he said that has been like completely devastating to me. Um, and honestly ridiculous. Um, but outside of that, I very recently started working with a new vocal coach who has been giving me lessons pro bono and very, very good lessons at that. So that person, definitely an ally. Um, there's certain casting agents who have repeatedly called me in since transitioning, but, and cast me once, but at the same time, you have to also be like, you're also looking to meet a quota of seeing a certain number of people of a certain group. So that's kind of like 
benefit for me, benefit for them, my partner. Really, I don't know if I would have ever transitioned without them. Um, I don't know if I ever would have figured out that I was trans without them. I think I would have just lived sad, miserably numb um, without them and without them being the person to really recognize it in me. Um, they're the first person to introduce me to TikTok. I thought it was silly. Um, and even though um, they were first to show me and I was like, this is silly, I was the first one to make a video. Um, and they've always been there to watch my stuff and make sure I'm not saying anything wrong. Um, I don't think I would have even a tenth of the social justice consciousness that I would have without them. Um, and yeah, they've, they've just always been there. Um, and I needed them and to support me through TikTok and through this attack on our rights and, you know, when we're talking about what happens if a Republican wins in November, 2024, um, you know, they're the person I turn to and like, we have to have a plan. And even though we just got this place there and they have the most to lose, they are also the first to say, yeah, like we have to, we might have to make sacrifices and go. Um, so yeah, I, without my partner, Luna, I don't know where I would be right now. I don't know if I'd be alive. <laughs> okay. One that's, oh my God. Like you should have warned me that there would be tears coming from my eyes with what you were going to say, because God damn it. That's all. That's all I really get to add to that. That was beautiful. Going back to your one comment about, uh, there just needs to be more trans stories and roles made specifically for trans people. Uh, you kind of, there is a sort of parallel that I've noticed between that. Uh, and for instance, as a black person, black roles, like whenever a character comes out, you have people complaining, oh, you blackwashed this character to be a black person. And it's like, oh, oh, don't worry, honey. Y'all, y'all have done that repeatedly throughout history for other yeah. races. Okay. But have you considered, like, in the future, like, your uh, plans of making those roles? Because I feel like it's a Jordan Peele thing where it was, it's like, oh, we don't, we don't want black main characters. So then, you know, once he finally got the money, he was able to start making movies where he did just that. And you would see people get, like, very upset. Like, oh, how come there's no white main character? Like, oh, y'all told me to go make these stories. So I fucking did. Yeah, I mean, I, I think making our own stuff is the way that shit's going to happen. Um, I, I don't, I, I've tried to write myself. I don't know that I'm that great of a writer. Um, and I, for musical theater, especially I would need a partner. Then that's never really come up. It's also being an actor auditioning, making enough money to live. And now also like I'm writing on top of it so that, and then trying to, you know, make that get seen so yeah it's I don't know that I'm the person to do it 
Maybe I am, and I just well, don't know it. I know. Maybe um, you like, are. You just don't have the money yet. In, yeah. in theater spaces, making accommodations for people can be difficult because you do have a group of 30 people all trying to train for like one specific key and switching that for everybody kind of throws yeah. a monkey wrench into it. I can understand. I, you know, I know music and have produced music myself a bit, but one thing that might be something to make it more approachable is the technologies that we have to use like pitch shifting technologies, but then that takes a whole nother kind of skill to be able to sing in the wrong key so it can shift you up to the right key. Mm -hmm. But other resources like just being able to use recording resources can also help us to tell the story, even if it's not in the same venue as we might be used to seeing. That's actually a really, really good point. I know there's a, um, a writing team that I had done a workshop with um, there, composed of, I believe, I'm sorry if I get this wrong, um, one of them is a cisgender lesbian and the other is um, non-binary. And they, on top of the musicals that they've been writing, have also been doing radio plays. And I was like, oh, well, that's a way to get stuff seen in uh, a different venue than we're used to. Absolutely. So so radio plays would be kind of a similar audio venue to this, but this mm -hmm. is also kind of a safe and non-orchestrated, like in people, you know, writing songs or performing to a venue. A lot of times we'll have to like try and keep things all in one picture, one key. Having a Sondheim where you take one <laughs> of the lead motives and putting it down a fifth or a fourth. Mm -hmm. No, sorry, that just breaks the whole thing. <laughs> I mean, watching my, I mean, I was such a brilliant accompanist and he is so, so I don't know how he does it. There'll be pieces that we were working on that he's like, he's, he's so good at making the keys. Like if there's already a key change there, he doesn't necessarily do the same interval, but we'll find, this has got to be so boring to non-music people. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he won't find, he won't um, make it the same interval change but we'll still make it work just for that next section to be within the range of my voice. And I'm, that's, that's so cool. I don't know how he does it. There, there's people out there talented enough to do it. Absolutely. And well, a lot of it is just kind of the awareness and writing the roles that are flexible enough that maybe don't require the same kind of range, but mm -hmm. Broadway is a hundred percent performance, a hundred percent out there and just, having transgender people as like say one in a hundred if we look at the old school representation or one in 20 if we look or one in 20 now if we look at the age group of 26 to 33 i think it was or something like that mm -hmm. that now or no it's 18 to to 26 uh, five percent of people identify as non-binary or transgender so those roles should be opening up but there's got to be some pioneers in that do you see any other voices uh, that you'd like to have boosted on that scene um, yes, um, I just, they're not, um, she's not rather, uh, trans, but she does, uh, she is queer and she does write a lot of queer stuff. I did, um, something recently with, uh, a writer named, uh, Marie and Contrera. Um, I hope that was right. I think that's right. Um, who wrote a number of wonderful things, was in, uh, responsible for the concert, the queer holiday concert that I did at 54 Below, I know out there there's other people um, who I've not personally met. I know the creators of 
Transparent are currently working on a transparent musical that's set to go up soon. I had unfortunately been asked to sing for um, Ari slash Ali, which is the, the character who like, is it, has everyone seen Transparent? Anyone? No one? First couple seasons. Okay. Ali, the, the, um, the youngest of the kids, sorry, I'm ruining spoilers. The show's been out for a while. Um, Allie, the younger of the kids, who is AFAB, um, eventually, at the very end of the show, becomes, uh, starts identifying as non-binary. And they called me in for that. And I'm just like, here again, like, you just think you can call any trans person in for any trans role. And I'm like, this character is supposed to be AFAB. If, if this was a, a straight play, sure. Yeah, I could do it. But you're supposed to believe them to be AFAB from the very beginning and then transition to non-binary. It's just, it's not going to work for me in a singing, um, when, when singing is involved. Um, they also, um, sorry, my partner just came in the room. <laughs> um, where is it? Oh, Hold on. My, I, 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 my entire thought process just went it's all right. right at the window. Um, I kind of wish they had, I know the character of um, Githel is portrayed, I think is portrayed in the new musical. I was like, that was a trans woman, a, a, a Jewish trans woman. Like, could, could you see me for that rather than this role that there's just not a chance that I was going to be seen for? There was a another production of a Shakespeare play um, out in California that I had been asked that they this queer, I want to say it was Twelfth Night. I might be wrong. Um, and they had asked me to read for this role and I'm looking at the description of how they had queered it up. And I'm like, this is a trans mask role. Like, do you think you can just like any trans person is any trans person for this stuff? I've noticed them in, in like corporate environments, that's exactly the case. Cause I get asked about policy for just all trans people all the fucking time. So yeah, I, I'm fairly certain the cis, they think that they think that like, Oh, we could just like, you know, fiddle around with it. It'll be okay. Yeah. I mean, like, the other um, thing, the other thing you see is either that, or you see very small boxes. You see um, trans women generally only playing like, I mean, it used to be just sex playing worker. sex workers. Yeah. Now the you'll see like sex workers. Yep. Maybe, maybe today we could play like an intern in an office. And yeah. then for or, Jones. an unemployed child. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then for like um, AFAB people, especially non binary AFAB people, it's like, if you're if you're AMAB and you're non-binary playing a role, it's like you kind of fall into that trans woman category where it's like you'll be a sex worker or a drug addict or something. And if you're AFAB, they treat non-binary characters like quote unquote like woman plus or like like just like I don't want to say spicy friend. woman because TikTok has a certain like in inclination for spicy, but like you know what I mean. Mm. We've all we've all seen those portrayals. Like yeah. if you're if you're trans femme, you're gonna be a villain. We've all seen Ace Ventura. I mean, I was yeah. a child when I saw that movie and was like, 
still didn't make the connection until much later, you know, either that or mm -hmm. you'll, we'll be on like law and order as somebody who was, you know, murdered for, uh, that's why I really like, uh, I've been watching a lot of Star Trek because again, huge Trekkie and to see the, what's up? Super queer. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then the thing that they did with gray, uh, uh, love it. So, when, so since you brought up TikTok, I, I just wanted to like ask you a little bit about um, maybe moving a, a little bit away from theater and more towards like, and, and more to because like you were talking about how there's a lot of like, they they basically will blend all trans people together. They'll they'll force us in, and and like really erase the different lives mm -hmm. that trans people can truly live. Um, so I'm wondering like. What language do you think is most is most effective for like making sure that we amplify the different trans voices? And what language do you think is used more to erase us and kind of like put us all into a box? Language in what way? Language as in what narratives are cons are, are commonly used? Mm -hmm. Um what like what is the best way that we can like format our voices to advocate for ourselves and what ways do we see that we're constantly kind of like put away what like what language is used against us what constant narratives are used against us are, are we still in the theater realm or are we in are we in the real more world towards now? tiktok the tiktok okay more yeah. towards tiktok yeah i mean of course trans men are completely fucking erased we all know that um yeah on tiktok completely you know, a, a, and then used as a tool against trans women to be like, oh, the trans men never, never say shit. I was like, one, they do. You just don't hear them. Two, you don't think about them because you think of them as women. Three, of course, we're fucking loud. You call us predators every other fucking day. Um, so I think trans men are very much um, erased in that way. And I'm very, I, I'm kind of hoping that this new talking point about that is going to create more space for trans men to be loud. Um, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of trans men who are seeing that and are like, fuck no, we're not doing that. Um, and very much stepping up to bat. Um, women, of course, on TikTok are seen as invaders taking up a woman's space um being too loud mansplaining which i i mean the way that transphobes use mansplaining against any trans woman who says anything is so wild to me because i mean first of all regardless of what you think of my gender mansplaining requires that i know less on the subject we're talking about trans issues <laughs> Like, in what world do you think you know more than an expert <laughs> when it comes to trans issues? And, um, and the other thing, it feels very much the same way they'll use that to shut us up in the same way that cisgender men will tell any loud or um, outspoken cisgender woman that she sounds naggy. It's just... A, a repetition of the same tactics. Um, it it's really, really disappointing. 
there's a lot of those tactics that are repetitive and simple and people just come in to try and punch with them. But there's other words that we aren't really allowed to say on those platforms or on other platforms like Facebook or YouTube, things like that, that other people seem to get away with without mm -hmm. a problem. And one of the words that I think is, or one of the phrases that I think is most impactful to our situation and important to say is the words transgenocide together. Mm -hmm. um, and watching Zoe Zephyr in front of Montana uh, Senate uh, in testimony being shut down again and again and again as she tried to bring up this topic, stick to the bill, stick to the bill, stick to the bill. We can't talk about the larger trend. Um, mm -hmm. I thought we'd maybe have some space to just talk about that word, to kind of breathe on it, maybe meditate, because it's a heavy, heavy word. Um, you know, and it's been something that's affected multiple other minorities. So being careful and respectful of that term as well is important to us. Yeah, I mean, and it's a word that I use a lot and something I refer to a lot. Um, of course, my dear sister Lucy was kind of the first person to bring it to TikTok in such a loud way. Um, and I remember it was about the same time, um, shortly before that, I think it was when Texas announced that they were going to start taking trans kids away from parents. And just like at the start of, um, when this got really bad, I remember coming on to sort of tell my, my side of it as a Jewish trans woman and the parallels that I had already seen back then and they've only grown so goddamn much um and I remember talking to Lucy back then and being and she was like can I make this comparison and I was like yeah we should be making this comparison um and she was the first person to say trans genocide on that app as far as I know um and the first person to make it her uh, whole thing and now what do you see you see all of these usernames that say stop trans genocide. Um, and that's her. But I think it's really important. And I think, I think it's really hard because people who are not experiencing anything that could even be remotely compared to that have used that term and watered it down and made it so questionable when anyone uses it. I mean, you've had evangelicals for 50 years being like, they're coming for us, they're coming for us. Who's coming for you? You're in all seats of power. Like what? Yeah, um, it's to be considered a Republican in this day and age is to be considered somebody of Jewish descent back in Nazi Germany. No, no, it's not. And then it got so much worse when not it came to vaccines and mask mandates where they're there i mean i saw something recently i'm uh, sorry my dog is barking i'm gonna let her in so that she uh stops barking at the door you want to come in baby come on um so um you had the mask mandates and you had the the the, the vaccine mandates and they of course were the anti-vaxxers and you had the anti-maskers saying that oh it's just like the the holocaust and and you literally i just a few weeks ago i saw a bunch of them wearing stars of david and i was like this cannot be fucking real and then i remember um about maybe eight nine months ago when there was already all these laws coming forward and we were already saying what this is turning into i remember this politician and i think he was in australia 
who um who <laughs> compared allowing trans women to compete in women's sports to Germans watching the train cars go by. Absolutely Stretch of the imagination. Meanwhile, we're actually dying. It's so hard for me to remember to, I, that I can say the word dying. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is a safe space. Just murdered recently. <laughs> who was the TikToker? Yeah. Rihanna Gay. Yeah. Yeah. We're dying. We are dying at our own hands because they are making our lives a fucking misery. Um, and and these people have the nerve to 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 feel to compare anything in their mundane existence to genocide while this is going on or for TERFs to be like, you're erasing womanhood. There's been 300 laws written against me. Some of them that would keep trans people out of public. And you're talking about erasing because of an inclusive term for feeding a baby? Like what world, what world? their own little weird world. So you're using, so we're using like a lot of very strong language um, yeah. in this conversation, genocide, suicide, uh, dying by our own hands, us being killed. Uh, I also need to learn that I can say the word killed <laughs> here um, instead of unalive, but like realistically we're kind of like that 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 is exactly what we're looking at. We're looking at the the suicide rates among among trans youth, especially like skyrocketing. We're, we're we're and they're the ones that are most heavily legislated against. And so like, I just have to ask what what is your perspective on the best solution? What uh, as we look towards not only these laws that continue to come out at increasing uh, rates but also a presidential nominee that has just fully said uh, in an interview that if elected, he would create an executive order to ban gender-affirming care for all ages. Where, where do we move from here? That's the toughest question. And I think to me, what first of all, we have to be, we can't choose one route, in my opinion. I think on a personal level, you should be ready to fight. On a personal level, you should have whatever you need to get to defend yourself. You should also have, if you can, and I know this always gets pushback because obviously it's harder for some people. If you can have an escape plan, have a fucking escape plan. But in addition to that, we, we need to have all of those things, but we also need to be, um, it's so hard to say because, you know, I, I've really begun to question, does marching do anything at this point? It, I, I don't know that it does. Take it from um, a black person. You can march all you want. You can be peaceful in your protests, just like Martin Luther was. You're still going to get shot. You got to be violent in the streets. Stonewall was a riot. Civil rights. We rioted to get the civil rights. We rioted to get our weekends. 
our worker rights, making sure children aren't in the workplace anymore, all required riots. Now, not everybody's capable of doing it. I'm really good at doing it. But that doesn't mean that you're required to know how to riot. In theory, we have to be careful saying it on this platform. We don't want to, I don't, concerned with that. (laughs) Yes, theory, theory. I mean, I think, well, I think what, what, um, people who are, whether correctly or uh, incorrectly being labeled as Antifa are doing and showing up to counter protests with the same energy and the same um, arsenal (laughs) as uh, is very, I think we need more of it in general. Sorry, just being, I want to do the laundry. Um, Needy puppy. I don't want there to be violence, but when you have men with masks showing up with fucking dozens and dozens of guns, like you'd be stupid to just, to just be like, we're just going to go about our day and have no protection. The cops don't protect us. They protect them. You know, right. I, I'm what I, um, on a non-trans level, you know, I, I'm looking at this, this shit that went on outside of, the first preview of Parade the other night here in New York on Broadway. Those people certainly didn't get a permit to be out there with signs, um, these anti-Semitic signs and to say these anti-Semitic things. So why the fuck were the cops not getting rid of them? Um, I mean, I have, I have, um, protested outside of a Broadway theater. The cops knew about it beforehand. Um, We had our own space. Not that I think that that's the most productive way of doing things, but the point is, you know, these were just half a dozen disgusting, hateful anti-Semitic randos who showed up and and they get protected. Um, If you'll remember four or five months ago in, maybe it's even less than that, in Central Park, there was a bunch of TERFs um, who showed up to rally. I think it was Central Park. It was a park. Um, and there were a bunch of counter protesters, way more than them, who were all on the sidewalk. But the cops were in the street and the cops were like, you're blocking traffic. There were no counter protesters in the street. And then the cops cleared the trans positive counter protesters so let the turfs be um so obviously the cops are not on our side i have a hard time imagining the federal government is on our side because how are there these far right groups that are clearly a danger to democracy we saw that january 6th and nothing's being done about them until they've committed a crime already. Um, Years later. Yeah. Um, we're not getting them in the planning stages as much as we should be. I know some people have been caught, you know, like the attempt to um, abduct, um, what's her name? Uh, the governor, uh, Gretchen... Oh, yeah, like Michigan, was it? Yeah. 
like obviously uh, they were caught and there's been other like um attempts on the power grid that have been caught before they've been able to do anything but when you have these militias training against the u.s government in fucking fields and we had them on fucking video like why is thing being done well we know why something something yeah. second amendment i can't remember mm-hmm. lost white in a lot of white noise angry. yeah yeah white noise as as many black people have referred to it quite noise yeah but then like of course i mean of course like you know it was um on the other hand when he had the black panthers show up you know, oh, yeah. decades ago with guns. It was like, now now the government's got to do something about this. We can't have when, this happening. When Reagan was the governor of California being like, I'm all about that Second Amendment. You can carry your guns. Open carry's legal. Black Panthers were like, oh, okay, we're going to open carry and watch police as they pull over our, our Black uh, brothers, sisters, and non-binary crew. Next thing you know, yo, 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 Black folk with guns? Nah, we can't be having that. Mm-hmm. We got Reagan in and that's exactly how it went yeah which is why you know even as trans people it's dangerous to openly carry um like that which is it's yeah it feels like we're at a disadvantage every single way because you know we're such a small part of the population that's why they're able to get away with what they're getting away with if we were a larger percentage of the population they wouldn't um but we have such a small percentage of the population, we rely on allies and allies are not reliable. Reliable. We, we've learned that with the wizard game. We've learned that with the wizard game. I think oh, there's... please, don't, don't play this wizard game because people like me get murdered. But, but wizard game, my nostalgia. I think there's some hope to be had though for the future, looking at like the statistics about like the younger generations and how they're being more accepting just of the concept by itself when it was a hush hush thing or it was criminalized or it was deemed a mental illness, where it's now just a part of the human condition and recognizing it as such and not as a criminal offense or as a mental condition. Uh, is going to be the only thing that's really needed for people to understand that they have the autonomy to do with their bodies as they want to. They have that right. That, that should be all that we really need to have the, the long-term effects, but there's still going to be lots of other barriers to communication and things like that. The more we can talk openly about this and the more that we are tied into our families and our stories without having to be uprooted and move somewhere else, the, yeah. the more the roles for art are going to open up for us, the more that there will be voices that can be heard because a lot of our history is just the history of that attempt at genocidal movements again and again and again. And it's never going to work because it's a part of the human condition. You cannot yeah. destroy it. But it's, it's so, I don't know. They can keep trying and they can try they to will. send us back into the dark again and they will. Um, the question is, is all we have to do is hold out until this generation is no longer with us um, that has that just, holds these values. I'd like to point out, though, more power to you for being able to to talk to these people. You and Ocean, I know you both have, like, debated transphobes, enlightened individuals, and you're most likely doing it because you recognize this person might not hear me. 
but somebody out there yes. can come across this listen and be like holy shit thank you to me i just block them out right these days i'm just so tired of it i'm just like all I right mean, block. There's, there's certain things that i block out like I, i'm not arguing unless i see like a point that's worth creating a video about i'm not sitting here arguing with a, with another turf about the word fucking cisgender it's just not fucking happening yeah i'm not, I'm not gonna sit here and have another oh, um slur and uh, yeah and i uh, um i'm not gonna sit here and deal with with anyone generally about sports anymore i'm just not fucking doing it um there's enough fucking information out there well that um yeah, as somebody who's think. Has several degrees in science. They don't care about the science. They they really don't. Yeah. So there's certain people that I've I've completely blocked out. But yeah, I I would say most things that I respond to, it's not for the person I'm responding to. It's for people on the fence, people who are disinterested before they see that, and it's for allies and other trans people to have language to use themselves which I love. I love when I go into a comment section and I see, or a video, and I see something that came straight from my mouth mm-hmm. being used. It's the fucking best. Like, to go into a, co- like, either it's something um, actually like a good point, like, um, you know, when you're crying about the word, uh, about things like breastfeeding or birthing person, uh, you're just doing the same shit as people who cry that you can't say the word Merry Christmas anymore. Um, I'll see that one or on the more um, absurd fucking with them side, I'll see people who will be like, someone will say you're appropriating gender and I'll see someone who will be like, no, I'm half woman on my mother's side. And I'm like. I love that. I'm half woman on my side, please. Sometimes you have to match absurdity with absurdity mm. yeah i do that a lot so when they say that you like that you do a lot of this and you reach out to people uh and that you do see this the a lot of allies cisgender allies a lot of trans people that you do actually reach and do actually hear you out have you been able to like build a supportive community around yourself uh people that you commonly know and recognize that that that, that will be there through you during like the, these kind of online tribulations I have a few um, who are definitely people who I turn to in certain situations, um, especially a certain number of trans men who, you know, like every time that I'm done with someone being like trans men, never, never start shit. I'm just like, can someone, can anyone please take this? Like, I've taken many things you've asked me to take before. Could someone please take this? Um, and then, you know, I have a couple of people who I talk to regularly, uh, Lucy and Liv and um, oh, some other. <laughs> my Lucy. Oh, uh, um, no, Lu- I you, sorry. Lucy. My Lucy. Uh, no, Lucy thinks aloud. Sorry. Um, I think out loud as well. I'm so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh and olivia and um some other people but i don't i don't necessarily feel like i have the best support network um that's probably my own fault um i have a tendency to be like i can take it i can yeah i don't need to ask for that you know that's something that um 
you get taught growing up as a boy not to ask for help is I've gotten better, but it's still something I'm bad at. We've had a lot of good conversations. We kind of want to wrap things up with some big questions. Yeah. We want to make sure we haven't uh, left anything untouched. Is there anything you feel like you, you would have uh, liked to be have been asked over the conversation? Um, no, I don't think so. No one asked my favorite color or my favorite food, but that's fine. What you know, color, I'm what color is your favorite food? Oh. <laughs> or what uh, food is your favorite color? Chartreuse is my favorite color. There we go. There we go. Getting there. Uh, a favorite food? I love, I know this is, um, I love raw oysters. I could just have raw oysters and a beer or wine. What am I getting this look for? <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Raw what? oysters and a beer or a glass of wine is like the greatest thing in the world to me. Have somebody over you just being like, "Hold on, I'm going I'm getting ready." No, like I it's that's not. You know, but obviously I don't have raw oysters in my fucking house. Yeah, I'm just saying, you just be like, hold on, here's some snot for you. Mm. Porcelain like plate, and here's some wine. Uh, uh, I don't know. I've, I've never tried oysters after getting my taste back. However, I've seen it and been brought to restaurants with it. And the person got like really sick afterwards. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. that. Well, Lucy, uh, do you want to go ahead and bring up your big questions for Amarla? Certainly. Thank you. All right. Are we going to be doing like intros and outros afterwards? Because I don't think we did intros for Marla. We haven't. We, we no. Have, no, we yeah. didn't. We just went right into it. Yeah, we did. Though, yeah, we got right, right into it. Some of us like foreplay, Caroline. No, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll do that in a little bit. All right. So for my questions, I like to just pull them up out of like the same area. Um, they're kind of like very generic, very bland easy to answer, you know, stuff like what's the square root of the hypotenuse of my isosceles triangle with a base of one. Um, however, obviously your end goal, like, would you say your end goal for what you're trying to do, how you would like to see the world change? Would you say that's more like to be more trans representation in media or a more accepting environment for trans people in general, if not both? Or am I just mischaracterizing what you'd like to see? It's... Both. It's it's both. It's so it's so hard when you're like, you know, my original feeling was, okay, I'm going to create space for us in media and open doors and hold doors open. Um, and it's not as easy as I thought it was going to be. Um, you know, I thought coming back into the profession after transition, I would be at the same place I was before transition and that's just not the fucking case um so yeah in that way like i i you know i'd always said to myself i felt like more representation was would be huge for us but at the same time i i don't know because you know you watch all these people the second there's a trans person on screen they're like everything has a trans person in it no it doesn't again we have statistics and that's not the goddamn case um we are underrepresented in media um 
so that's like that's a double-edged sword um but of course like if the world was kinder to us we would have more places in media i don't know which comes first or if it happens all at the same time hopefully get it all at once yeah yeah what would you say would be like the obstacle that you've seen the most outside of just the lack of roles as somebody who's trying to be in or who is in theater not trying you're obviously succeeding because let's face it this is a this isn't just an uphill like climb this is an uphill climb against the fucking i don't know rock slide with every little pebble being some sort of turfy shitty headness that's a word i'm patenting it slash copywriting I mean, the obstacle is convincing producers that it's worth having a trans person for this. And the other obstacle is creating something that an audience is comfortable with. Because the thing, the biggest thing, when it comes to TV and film, we can go find our audience. When it comes to theater, the audience has to come to us, which means we have to take into account a general audience and the, for lack of a better term, lowest common denominator. Um, and they pay, especially on Broadway, they pay $200 for a seat. They don't want to be made uncomfortable. Um, if I went out there and sang in a bass voice, I don't want them to see it as like a drag show or a joke. It's really interesting to see the like contrast compared to how like these comedians who claim they've been like uh, canceled or whatnot. Where they're like, oh, you you pay to see me make you uncomfortable, and that's what we do. But seeing it from a theater standpoint, it seems like it's really about like, hey, these these fools are paying like money to go see us. Well, let's make them happy. Is there any way that you think you c it's possible to get them to compromise on a little bit of like being unsettled? And at the same time, like getting your message across that it's okay to have like I a good. I don't. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what the answer is. That's because... a valid. That's a valid answer, though. I yeah, don't know. I'm... I I I think about um, just recently, everything that closed on Broadway were shows that centered minorities. Um, um, you know, uh, Strange Loop, which had won the Tony, closed like six months later. Um, what's the other one? Was it Ain't No More? Uh, that was, that left immediately. K-pop, like all these things that centered minority groups, audiences were like, well, that's not for me. I'm not black. I'm not Asian. I'm not whatever. That's not for me. And it's wild to me. I think audiences need to be trained to empathize and connect with other stories because you constantly see this like they were so pissed about um what was the one the disney was it called seeing red or red or whatever the hell it was called oh yeah turning red, red. Turning red. yeah, yeah. Oh. turning red, red. Yeah. Is that it? yeah 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 because she turned to a red panda they were so mad about that one and it's wild to me because every other minority group has had to learn to enjoy other people's stories but for some yeah. reason other people have just never had to. And I don't know how to get them to do that. Like a friend of mine pointed it out to me. They were like, they said, gay men love the notebook. So why can't straight people love gay stories? 
Well, we really see that with, like, the stuff that happened with The Last of Us just recently where you had these, like, yeah. super dude bro guys who are like, yeah, I'd be an isolation preppist myself. And then, you know, it turns out to be gay. And they're like, oh, my God, I can't relate to this story anymore that I was yeah. obviously relating to right before I found out that he likes men. Well, everyone else, like, every queer person was like, Oh yeah, I, I cried like a child during that. Yeah. I was like, I, I think I went through a whole box of fucking napkins or not napkins, Kleenexes. It's like, oh, it's so beautiful. I was a mess. Yeah, me too. So my questions are wrapping up. I promise they're not as complicated as they seem because not much thought goes on up here. Mm -hmm. However, my next question would be. It's one that I typically like to ask because it really gives me a good judge of a person is how far are you willing to go to see the future that you want come to its fruition? Because as, as I said earlier, I'm all about theoretical riots, but yourself, um, yeah, yeah, air quotes. I, I, I did that for you, Caroline. That's for Spotify, not for me. They right. need you. I am willing to give up as much of my energy, time, person, spoons as possible um, to make shit happen. I clearly, I mean, I've obviously given up a lot of my um, sanity to be doing what I'm doing on TikTok. I could be, you know, focusing on my career. Um, instead, I let this take up a lot of my energy. Um, so like, on a, like, I'm willing to give up a lot when it comes then there be i don't think how the fuck do i say this violence isn't the option until violence is the option <laughs> yeah peace was never was never a negotiation point but they don't give a shit peace is not an option yeah like no one like we I'm can't go that. into things we, we, you have to go into things knowing that that as, as activists and marginalized people, we have to go into knowing that that's a possibility, mm -hmm. but we can't go in that with that as the goal in mind. Right. For me. But we can't be stupid and then be surprised when it happens. Yeah. Like myself, I never turn the other cheek after I've been struck. I typically mm -hmm. break the hand that struck me. As, as we saw like a, a week ago. I will break an arm, but it won't be mine. So that's uh, that's basically all the questions I've got outside of just like typical ones, such as like if your TikTok career takes off even more than it already has, because obviously you're TikTok famous, would you be willing to maybe explore that and use that to create new uh, stories for trans folks, especially? I think that's part of the goal. That is definitely part of the goal is um, to catapult this in to something else. Um, <laughs> and I do want to go, I do want to just go back in one second when I, when I say like, you have to be prepared for it. That's as a Jew, as someone who has had generation after generation after generation be unalive, driven out. Like you can't be, I keep saying stupid and I shouldn't because it's very ableist, but you cannot be uninformed foolish naive. it's foolish and naive to assume that you can go into these places and not expect them to quite possibly fire at you as yeah. a black person i saw what happened to, to martin luther king and i saw what happened to malcolm x doesn't matter your message 
you're still going to get shot. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, being peaceful is definitely going to get you in the history books. Like Martin Luther King is all over the history books. But when it comes to actual like civil rights, he wasn't the only one in that. There was yeah. Malcolm X. There was Fred. Uh, what's the chairman's name? Fred Hampton, I think it was. There was the BLF. There was the BLA. There were so many groups. Even even Samuel Jackson blew up a building. I just have one pretty pretty solid question that's more like a plan for the future kind of thing, and that's the in it in a perfect world. So like complete hypothetical. Uh, where would you like to take your your very successful platform to uh what direction would you like for it to go and how could you best use it to advocate uh for the changes you'd like to see i mean i would love it i think the path i'm currently on the skills that i have i would love to turn it into whether it be my own platform or joining someone else's platform I would love to be doing something like a Samantha B kind of show where it's like news and activism, but comedy and entertainment all at the same time, where you, where you don't have to have that um, fake journalistic integrity front. Of course, there should be journalistic integrity, but when they try to play both sides, there isn't both sides in this argument. Um, yeah. once, once it's not alive there's no common ground to be met yeah um, so i would i would love to do something like um like a samantha b or a um daily show kind of thing do you see yourself ever being like is it within your desire to maintain like that political lens or do you sell, see yourself ever moving away from politics I don't think it's possible for a trans person. I don't, I, 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 it would be, I don't think it'll be in my lifetime where it'll be possible for a trans person to be completely devoid of politics, um, completely unaware of politics. I don't think the world will let us. I, you know, if if politics were to fall out of it, you know, let's say Broadway suddenly called. I would still be using what platforms that gave me to be political in the same way that we just saw Laverne Cox um, have that wonderful interview where she brought up um, the Institute of Sexology and Magnus Hirschfeld and drew those parallels to history. So even if I ended up in a platform where politics was not it, I would still try outside of that to use my popularity to influence politics. Uh, and okay, one final question then, and that is a message to any trans people who are trying to start their own platform. What would, what, what advice would you give to, uh, to, to young content creators trying to enter a political scene? Be informed. Plan out what you're going to say. Watch it many times. Look for anything that could be used against you. We have to be so careful. We shouldn't have to be, but we do. We have to be so careful with our words um, that we don't get things wrong because 
for us, you could say a hundred correct things. If one thing in the middle of them is wrong, they will throw away the rest of it. Um, also just, you know, making sure not because of the purity tests to make sure um, you're not going to alienate another group of trans people in what you're saying that you're being thoughtful of them I mean I recently had this discussion with someone where it was like how much do we have to stop to hold hands and make people feel um feel seen and validated in every single thing we do it's a hard line to walk because there'll be lots of times that I'll say something that you know wasn't completely validating of a certain subsect of a subsect of people. And I'll often stop to hold their hands. And I don't know that we're always going to be able to do that, especially at the point in this fight that we are. That doesn't mean you get left behind. It just doesn't mean you get head pats and a band-aid. Oh, I'm sorry, that's a little harsh. No, beautiful. <laughs> Athena, do you have any uh, do you have any questions you'd like to ask? Um, I kind of got the big one out just as far as like usage of transgenocide. But uh, aside from that, uh, obviously, maybe for some uh, other words to help out people who are creating on platforms that might be trying to ban words, other kind of helpful workarounds to make sure that we're targeting the right, uh, the right intensity of feeling and emotion around this um, to to try and drop the right kinds of uh, sentiment, I guess. Because like a lot of people will argue that like transgenocide is only valid in that people are committing suicide without gender affirming care. I don't think that's the case though at all. That no. genocide applies to the historical fact of transgender people being historically marginalized, erased, and sometimes eradicated. Yeah, um, it's the know. same. It's this. It's the same thing as um, not the same thing. I shouldn't say that, but um, you know the black community tried to get um, their treatment in the United States, I think it was in the 60s, um, qualified as genocide. And they were like, so well, it's not, you're not, you're, it's like you're not getting dragged away to camps. No, but you're, it literally fits in this definition of creating a, a um, one, taking away children, two, yep. creating a, a, a life where you can't live because of the laws and the discrimination. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was actually in the 70s. That's why one of the reasons when I hear people who are like, oh, you shouldn't use such um, strong language because that, then it dips into a realm of uh, legalities. It's like, as a black person who's studied uh, the liberation of black folks as best as I could, like it, it didn't matter what message you're putting out there. There were still, uh, they would still basically lie and do whatever they could to arrest these uh, black leaders. Like we saw that with uh, Fred Hampton and uh, Martin Luther King. Like there was plenty of, of government sanctioned, like, oh, we're just gonna put you in jail. Like you stole ice cream. There was no witnesses, no evidence. We, we gave you five to seven years for ice cream theft. Like yeah. don't, don't expect to play by their rules because they're not gonna play by their own rules. Yes. And I, I so it's actually so, so wild because I am in many ways a rule follower. But when it comes to this, you know, I'm very much 
not i when it comes to marginalized groups i'm like you get what you need however the fuck you need to get what you need yep um i i had to actually fill out i i went in for my um surgery letters to the psychiatrist for the first time yesterday and i had to fill out this question thing i guess to see your mental stability and there were a number of questions on there that were like do you think you have to follow the rules at all time and like a lot of it was like, do you think rich people have to follow the rules or do you think rich people follow the rules? And then it's like, they should be following the rules. Do I think marginalized people should have to follow the rules? No. <laughs> rich people can afford to follow the rules. Yes. Rich people don't even, like I dated this one person who didn't give a shit about the rules. She would be like, oh, I'd be like, you can't park here. That's, you're in the red. No, 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 no. That just means I have to park extra. I have to pay extra to park here. A three hundred dollar fine? That's nothing. Like okay, no not for. Uh, where do you see the next ten, five to ten years? Where do you where do you see it going at this rate and and at the speed that it's happening? It's. I mean, the next election is going to be the real teller, right? I mean, I think no matter what, there's going to be people who have to flee red states. Yeah. The question is, I just don't know if we could, with how gerrymandered this country is, I don't know that we could ever get to a point where the Equality Act um, is ever going to become a thing um, or the Equal Rights Amendment. So... I think a lot of people are going to have to re leave red states. I don't think there's going to be an option. Fight as long as you can. But if if Republicans take the fucking presidency, like, be prepared to fight or flee. I feel I feel flee before because I, I feel that they'll put place uh barriers for us to to leave these states so yes. i mean before already, they make that i already i mean i've said there are barriers in place for us to leave under our own identity for yeah. many 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 people who have That's to true. go by the state authority for us to get passports under our correct gender in order to get respect and recognition in the countries that we want to leave too so yeah marla how do you balance how do you balance your view on the, the hope of a, a better future do you is that a struggle that you that you have yeah i i've never been an optimist um but i'm just i'm stubborn and i don't i don't have it in me to just let go and and be like well whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen um so i have a tendency to charge forward um because i know there's no other option you know i'm not doing it out of an optimism i'm doing it out of a survival and i think a lot of people don't, don't. what can we what are we going to have to do to ensure that that the history doesn't repeat itself which it seems so similar at this time that it is it's very interesting because they will always lose, especially now. Because even if history, they can't, with the internet, 
you can't completely erase history anymore. It's not possible. Um, I don't think, <laughs> I don't want to find out, but you know, of course, like if Twitter had fallen, like that would have been in a digital way, sort of like someone compared it to be like the burning of the library at Alexandria for it just filled with really lame memes. <laughs> the worst library of alexandria possible um but like happy memes um I call them memes i don't think that um it's i don't think they can do it in the way that they've done it in the past which means they're gonna have to find new tactics which means we're gonna have to be ready for them it's always when, something new in the future. When we when we step away from from this uh, conversation and and go back out there and face the world, what would you like the message to be for the trans community specifically at this time? What would you like to say to to the siblings listening? If you at this point are incapable of living for yourself and for your own happiness, live out of spite. There's, there's no other way to put it. If they're making your life miserable, you just, I know a lot of people unfortunately don't make it through it. And they of course are never to bl be blamed for that. But if you have the ability to continue on out of spite, continue on out of spite. Well, that was absolutely incredible. Lucy, thanks for being here with us today, as always. Yes, you know it. I'm back. I'm going right back to hell to go tor torture some more turfs. Athena, as always, thanks for being here. I'm happy to be a part of the conversation. Thanks for having me. And Ocean Kane, thanks so much for being here as our guest co-host today. Thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And Marla, Marla Alpert, it has been an absolute pleasure to sit down with you today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm headed back to my own hell. It's known as TikTok. My, uh notifications you know when you're crying about the word about things like breastfeeding or birthing person you're just doing the same shit as people who cry that you can't say the word merry christmas anymore someone will say you're appropriating gender and i'll see someone who'll be like no i'm half woman on my mother's side and i'm like i want that sometimes you have to match absurdity with absurdity Hey everyone, if you like this episode of the Trans Narrative Podcast, be sure to subscribe, like, and follow. More importantly, share with your friends. Today's episode was recorded February 25th, 2023 via Zoom. Today's show was co-hosted by Athena Primakis, Caroline Penny, and Lucy Balzano, with guest co-host Ocean Kane. Today's guest was Marla Alpert. This episode was edited and produced by Caroline Penny. Research provided by Athena Primakis. Music provided by Infraction Music, titled Good Five. The music you're hearing now is produced by Athena Primakis. This episode of the Trans Narrative Podcast was brought to you by Anchor, the easiest way to upload a podcast. Thank you for supporting this show. For more details about the episode that you just heard, go to the description linked below. You can find us on Facebook, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon Music, and now YouTube. Subscription for exclusive content available. Be sure to go to anchor.fm slash transnarrative. 
new episodes stream weekly, Saturday, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and now Wednesdays, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you'd like to reach out to learn more, be a guest, or are looking to get involved with the show, email us at transnarrativepodcast at gmail.com. That's transnarrativepodcast at gmail.com.